Real estate, as you mentioned, continues to be number one. Notes, probably a close second. A lot of people lending money because it's passive in nature. Again, provides an income stream through monthly payments, whether it's P&I or interest only those types of things. Welcome to the power of passive income and how to retire rich with your host, Vijay Patel. Get your financial advice straight from the experts and learn how to take your first steps towards financial freedom. If you're ready to retire rich, then listen up. So good morning, everyone. We have Edwin Kelly in the house. Uh, welcome to another episode of Power of Passive Income and How to Retire Rich. Uh, this morning, we will be talking some interesting thing. Uh, usually, we t- we have more of entrepreneurs on the show, but uh, you know, uh, Edwin is uh, like you know, specialized in few things, which is very interesting and uh, worth learning for sure. Uh, even I'm, I, I would like to learn myself. So, let's start with the introduction, and then we'll go like you know, start the show. Excellent. Thank, thanks so much, Vijay. I'm, I'm uh, super excited to be here today with you. Thank you. So if you can just give us a brief introduction and let's, let's you know, uh, start with the show. Yeah. So my name is Edwin Kelly. I'm CEO and uh, co-founder of Specialized Trust Company. Um, we are a self-directed IRA uh, custodian and 401k uh, ad- administrator um, and, and, and custodian, I should say, actually. And what we specialize in is helping people get control of their retirement account, the money in that retirement account, understand all the benefits of those accounts and how to invest in anything allowed by the government to create uh, passive streams of income that allow people to rescue their retirement, um, rewrite their family legacy, among other incredible benefits. Nice, nice. So as we were talking earlier, you know, like, Personally, one thing we really talk about on the show is a journey. Like everybody has an individual journey. So let's talk about your journey uh, from, you know, investing point of view. Why you like, you know, uh, how did you get aware of investing? What What, what is the importance of money in your life and how uh, the thought process was and transition was from earlier on? Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting because I had a, I don't know if my experience was unique growing up, but there was a certain set of circumstances that I think paved the way for me to kind of chart my course, if you will, uh, the way that I decided to go. Because um, when I was, when I was uh, young, I was raised by a single mom. It was my sister and I, and my mom was a social worker for the state of Ohio. And uh, if you know anything about social workers, social workers have big hearts, but small pocketbooks, right? And so we didn't have a lot of money growing up. The interesting thing about that experience was, is that I remember in sixth grade going to the grocery store with her. And uh, back then, I'm going to date myself a little bit. So so I'm sure some of the people listening right now are completely unaware of this. But when I was a kid and you went to the grocery store, grocery stores didn't take credit cards. So you had to pay and they didn't and they hadn't invented debit cards yet. So you had to pay with a check or cash. So she would write a check and they had some little scanner thing that they could put it in and it would say, yes, this check will clear or no, it won't. So we'd be standing at the checkout and she'd be muttering under her breath, you know, I hope this check clears. I hope this check clears. And I just remember thinking, man, like that's got to be an awful feeling going to the grocery with two kids in tow and not knowing if you're walking out with food. And I said, you know what? And, and that just that made a big impression on me. Um, and uh, <clears throat> so the interesting thing about it was is that um, 
I said, you know what, when I get older, I'm not going to have those issues, right? I, I'm going to, I'm going to figure this out. Now, I didn't know what the answer was, but I figured money had something to do with it. So I started doing odd jobs and growing up in Ohio, the good news about being in Ohio is that there's lots of lousy weather, right? So there's, there's uh, snow to shovel in the winter, there's leaves to rake in the fall and there's grass to mow in the summer. And so, you know, I could do odd jobs. I could get paid. I could make some money. So fast forward, I get to middle school now and I open up my very first brokerage account. Uh, I convinced my grandfather to be my custodian. And um, so we, we open up a, an UGMA account, which stands for the Uniform Gift to Minors Act. And um, so under that act, I was able to open up a brokerage account, put some money in it that I had saved and go out and invest it. And the interesting thing about that experience was my very first investment, I bought a stock. Uh, the, the account value doubled in about a year. And I was, I was hooked on investing. I said, man, I said, I made more money in one year investing than working those crap jobs, right? Uh, for an entire year. Yeah. Um, and interestingly enough though, the company ended up filing bankruptcy. I ended up losing all my money. Now, when you're in, in, in junior high, and that, by the way, I didn't know anything about exit strategies back then. I didn't know anything. I just knew, I, I and I don't know how I figured it out, but like, you know, what you're talking about right, in terms of building assets, net worth, right, passive income, like that's that's really well, where the wealth is created. Uh, but when you're in middle school and that happens to you, that's what we call a recoverable loss, right? When you're in your 50s, 60s, like that's not so recoverable anymore. Yeah. And so it taught me a lesson early on, which is, you know, there, there, you can make a lot of money in investing, but man, you got to invest in the right things. and You got to understand what you're doing. So fast forward into high school. Um, there were two things that kind of happened that were instrumental, I think, in kind of how I I went about my career and, and, and getting into to owning my own business and that kind of thing. But the first thing was <clears throat> that I wanted to learn how to be successful and I didn't know how to do that. And back then, right, the Internet wasn't around. There was none of that. And so uh, the, the Internet was basically your local library. And, and that's where I would spend a lot of time. So I would go to the local library in the evenings and on the weekends. And I remember one day I walked up to the librarian and I said, hey, I said, you know what? I want to be successful in life. How do you learn how to do that? Because, you know, my mom didn't know. Um, and so he says, well, he says, you could read uh, books on successful people. Those are called biographies. And I said, okay, you know, where's the biography? So he, he walked me over to the biography section. He said, here's the biographies. And so, you know, biographies are books written about somebody, autobiographies is where they write the book about themselves. And he says, you're going to find both in this area. And I said, perfect. So I started reading books on all the greats, Andrew Carnegie, Vanderbilt, um, Ford, you know, Rockefeller, JP Morgan. And I noticed something that, that wasn't, that they all had in common. And what I noticed was they all had, they all own their own business. So they weren't employees working for somebody else. So I noticed that first and foremost, they all own their own business. But the second thing that I noticed is that they were all entering industries that were fairly new and being developed at the time. And so what I observed from that and from reading their stories was that it's kind of like when something is new, right? Um, a rising tide lifts all boats. It isn't until the industry gets really developed that you have to be really, really good at operational excellence, right? And the guns turn inward. And up until that time, everybody's got the, the guns pointed out, right? Protecting yep. the industry as a whole. Yep. But then there's a transition where it points in. 
And I said, that's what I'm looking for. I want to, I need to get into something that's new that hasn't really been discovered yet and, and, and go there. <clears throat> so that was one of the big first uh, experiences I had. The second experience I had was that al although we didn't have a lot of money growing up, I grew up in a fairly, I'll call it the poor side of the tracks and a fairly affluent community. And so I went to school with a bunch of kids that were doing all these amazing things, right? They're going on ski trips to Europe and they're doing all these really cool things, which I could only dream about back then. And so I started to observe, well, what is it about these families that they have all this money? Well, again, they were all business owners. They were either doctors, attorneys, or business owners. They fell into that three categories. Yep. And I had no interest in being a doctor. Uh, didn't have a lot of interest in being an attorney. So again, by default, all signs pointed towards <laughs> right, owning a business. And so, um, in uh, so fast forward, get get out of high school, go to college, and study finance because that's what I was interested in: money and anything around money. And so, I spent my entire career in finance. Um, discovered self directing, which was, I think, that when I discovered self directing, I'm like, this is the niche I've been looking for. This this is the thing. Uh, which we can talk more about if you want, but but that was kind of when I when I discovered self-directing, I was sold, and I, I went down that path, and I never looked back. I understand. So I'll just share uh, one of my funny story. Like you know, every investor has like you know, especially early on when you are like kind of premature. Uh, you know, when I was in college, I had like you know, my dad give me like twenty five thousand uh, dollar you know to invest, and then like okay, you you can pay for yourself. I'm not giving you any more money, you know. So I was like, okay, I'll invest and make more money. So back then, like I st just started investing in stocks, very pre premature, just learned like options trading. And I remember like uh, from options trading from $25,000, I turned that money into $125,000 mm. just in two months. And I was like on top of the world because I was like, these even Wall Street doesn't know what to do. You know, I'm the guy who knows everything. And then on the third month, that $25,000, like, you know, $125,000 turned into $12,000 just, just in third month. And then I was like, again, at the bottom level saying, okay, like, you know, maybe I don't know much, you know. And then I started stabilizing myself that, okay, like, you know, investing is a long-term game. It's not like, oh, you hit a home run. Of course, you on and off, you hit home runs, but it's not purely you should be looking on that. Uh, you know, uh, you should be also looking for singles, uh, you know, uh, like that was my learning lesson for sure. Because if I have lost that $25,000, I would be taking up our jobs because my dad is very clear. Like, so there are certain things he's very, very clear from the front, you know. If he says don't do it, don't do it. That's it. <laughs> if you do it, then you know it's it's on you. You you figure it out. So, like you know, investing in general is a, is a long term game. Anybody who who's trying to you know make some money for themselves, like as uh, for their family, you have to understand that like you know it's there's no quick money scheme, and that's where more, a lot of time people loses their money is they try to get rich quick, and. Especially with the younger generation, of course, everybody wants to flash it off on Instagram and Facebook saying, oh, this is my Lamborghini, this is my Bentley, right? But you have to understand that you have to earn it and you have to be, you know, uh, kind of worth for it. Otherwise, it's not going to last too long. So I think that that's the, like that's the learning lesson I would definitely pass on. 
But since you are expert in uh, you know self-directed IRAs and tra like you know specialized trusts, let's talk about that. How did you transfer yourself into that niche, and what are you offering? Why does it different, or what are what is something different you are doing? Yeah. So <clears throat> the the reason why I I got attracted to self-directing is that when I worked for some Wall Street firms, I saw some really cool investment opportunities. Um, and one of my favorites was something called uh, distressed debt investing. And um, there was a really cool backstory. I met a guy who actually put together the deals, went out. He was the investment guy, right? He's the one who actually found the stuff, bought, bought these distressed assets, and the amount of money he could make on them was incredible. The challenge was you had to be an accredited investor to participate in those types of things. And so I saw there were certain things that worked really well for clients, that being an example of one. The problem is most clients weren't eligible to even hear about those opportunities, right? So all the clients heard about was you can buy this stock or you can buy this mutual fund, that kind of thing. Um, but I saw there's assets out there that like if you, it, based on the information you can get about an asset, um, what you can learn about it, how, how it can be owned and managed and those types of things, man, there's money to be made in a very sustainable, keyword, sustainable way. Because the challenge that I see, and you, you touched on it, right? You just talked about that, is to be successful, we need things that are consistent, pre predictable, and, and secure. So when I started doing some research and I discovered self-directing, Self-directing was a way to be able to make those types of investments, if you will. In other words, investments that provide consistent, predictable income streams. Um, you can actually secure your money with real assets in many cases that, because I, you know, I tell people to get an ROI, a return on your investment, you first have to get an ROI return of your investment, right? Those two things go hand in hand. I learned that lesson in, in seventh grade. So like, you learned that lesson too. So we've all learned that lesson. Um, so, so again, it's about picking the right kinds of, of uh, investments to focus on. And so when I discovered self-directing, there's, there's a couple of things that stood out. One is that people, everyday regular people, without being accredited, can invest in all kinds of things allowed by the government that most people don't know about because Wall Street doesn't push them. In fact, they discourage those types of things because they don't make money on them. So that's that's one thing. The second thing is, is that self-directing really revolves around using a self-directed retirement account. Now, the interesting thing about that is, is that most people, most adult Americans have a retirement account. In fact, for most American families, their only investable assets are inside a retirement account. And that's because, right, most people have a job, they contribute in the company plan, and so over time they build up some money and so when I kind of saw that, I said, wow, there's these investments and things that really work, particularly over a long period of time. The vehicle, I was familiar with retirement accounts, although not to the degree that I, I am now, obviously, but I knew they had certain benefits, but I had no idea all the massive benefits and, and how they help us build long-term sustainable wealth for ourselves and our family. So you start to bring all these elements together and what you realize is when you bring certain elements together, I mean, you can solve massive financial problems. And I'll, and, I'll, and I'll use this word quickly, 
But let me define quickly, because so like you said, there's no get rich quick. When, when people come to me, oftentimes I've heard something that doesn't happen too often. Younger people, they say, hey, I want to be rich in one or two years, right? Um, when I'm dealing with people my age, 40s, 50s, right, that type of thing, people say, you know what, I've got a 10 to 11, 12 year time horizon. In other words, I want to be able to have my freedom. I want to be able to go live my life and, and do things that I've wanted to do my whole life. Spend time with my spouse, well, you know, my kids, grandkids, travel, those kinds of things. I'd like to be able to do that in 10 to 11 years. Okay, um, that's a very doable time frame, right? If, if, if you work at it. And, and so, but the reason why I refer to that as quick is, is that there's a lot of people that when they get to that stage, traditional financial world says, oh, you've waited too long, it's too late. It's not too late, um, but you do need to be committed and, and you need to have the right vehicles, the right plan and, and the right kind of tools and investments. And when you bring those things together, uh, you can absolutely chart a course to financial freedom. I mean, 100%. We, we see it every day. Yeah. And again, like, you know, uh, one thing that people still don't understand is the power of compounding. You know, of course, uh, even if you have 10, 12 years, uh, like the first cycle of compounding is always less money. And one, you know, graph that I always keep in my phone is a wealth building of Warren Buffett. So there's a graph uh, in my phone. I'll, I'll share it later. But uh, so it says like how Warren Buffett grew his wealth. So if you see from almost 30 to 40, like almost up to 50, he's under $200 million. His net worth really grew after 50 because then he really like added compounding into the effect. So even if you have 10, 12 years, find the properties who are doubling your money in three years. So if you get like three cycles, your 100,000 is gonna be worth three times, easy. Like 800,000, you will easily walk away with $800,000, that's a minimum. And you can even do more. Like, you know, if, if you're getting even cash flow, like, you know, like what we call it is like, you know, cash flow distribution, equity multipliers. So any deals like, you know, you walk away with two or 2.5 equity multiplier plus you get the cash flow. Uh, we are talking about real estate, but in general, you know, if you get, get into a good cycle of two to three times of compounding and you rotate your money, you can easily have a million dollar in your bank account, even if you start with a hundred thousand. Oh yeah. yeah. And, and, and that's the other thing too, is that that's one of the advantages I'll say to retirement accounts in general is that you're not, you know, it's funny, when I worked in the Wall Street world, one of, one of my mentors back then used to tell me, you know, the death of the mutual fund industry is going to be the 1099, right? Uh, because particularly if you have substantial assets and you start getting a tax bill every year, you know, on money that you didn't actually receive, uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, that's okay. Here's, here's the point, is that the advantage of retirement accounts is that you get tax protection on your income, profits, and earnings as you're compounding, like you're talking about. But we get to keep 100% of the money instead of any of it going to the to the to the you know various taxing agencies like the IRS or your state taxing authorities or those places. And so, what that means to you and I is that we can exponentially compound our money faster and larger by erasing taxes from the equation. And I'll say that that's probably the most one of the most common pieces of feedback I get from clients is that a few years into it, just like you're talking about. I'll get a call and they'll be amazed. They'll be like, have you seen the value on my accounts? And I'm like, you know, and I've had some people like actually be a little worried about it. I have one client specifically call me. I'll never forget. Uh, he, he lives down in Florida 
And he called me one day. And he says, "Dude, he says, have you seen my accounts?" He's like, "I'm really worried." I'm like, "What are you worried about?" He's like, "Well, I'm afraid I'm going to I'm going to get audited." And I said, "Why would you get audited?" Well, he said, "Have you seen my account balances?" This is a gentleman who started with less than a hundred thousand dollars when he opened up his accounts and transferred in, and here we are three years later. He's got multiple accounts with us, just to be clear, but the value of all his accounts had exceeded seven figures within that three-year period of time. And he said, you know, I knew I would do well, but I didn't know I was going to do that well. And I said, look, I said, we've talked through the investments. The things you've done are compliant and, um, you know, they, they, can, they, they meet the regulations and they conform to the rules. I said, what you're observing, which is not uncommon that I hear from people, is that you we're so used to living in a taxable world. You have no idea what's possible until you see it happen to yourself with your own eyes when you can actually eliminate taxes from the equation and you see your strategies work over a period of time. It, I mean, it, it really, it, it, it's, it, it's, it, to me, it's, it still amazes me to this day. It, it amazes, I mean, the power of compounding, particularly in a tax-free or tax-protected environment is just, it, it can accomplish amazing things. Yeah, but, and again, going back to the same thing is like, you know, taxes in general is 30%. So if you keep adding that $30,000 on $100,000, and, you know, if you, again, do a couple of cycles, that's another $100,000 in three years or three cycles. Yeah, it, 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 and it adds up quickly. And that's why. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, just a basic question just for audiences. When we talk about retirement accounts, we are talking about 401s, uh, you know, uh, IRAs. Is there anything else we are missing? So there's a, there's a few different accounts out there. So, and I'll, and I'll take a step back by saying, I group accounts into three categories, okay? So the first one is IRAs, individual retirement accounts. We're all individuals, so generally, right, we qualify to have one of those accounts. Then there's small business retirement plans. And for a lot of clients uh, and a lot of people these days, uh, you know, they might have a side hustle. So they might have a W-2 job during the day, but they might be investing in some real estate on the side or doing something else. And so they, in many cases, qualify for a small business retirement plan. That's the second category. Those, those are your 401ks or solo 401ks, um, <clears throat> SEPs and simples, things like that. And then the third category is what we call tax advantage specialty accounts. And there's two key accounts that fall into that category. One is an education savings account, which is, I, I explained it, it's like a Roth IRA. Uh, if you don't know what a Roth is, we can talk about a Roth but it's like a Roth IRA specifically for education. <clears throat> the health savings account is um, for out-of-pocket qualified healthcare expenses. Now, the way that I use those and the way when we're working with clients that will help build these strategies is that we look at the IRAs or the small business retirement plans, in other words, the retirement accounts to create the lifestyle, right? However, what a lot of people are unaware of, and I'll never forget one of the one of the earlier reports I read. This is going back into the '90s when uh, Ben Bernanke was was still the Fed chair. Uh, he had writ written a report, um, and he talked about that the range uh, for a retired couple. Now, this is keep in mind this is in the '90s, so these numbers could be a little different now. Probably not to our favor. Yeah. Uh, he said, uh, the average married couple living 20 to 30 years in retirement is going to need 240 to $280,000 in out-of-pocket medical expenses over the period of retirement, even on Medicare. 
Well, here's the challenge. Most people, most Americans don't have 240,000 set aside for retirement alone, let alone just healthcare. Yeah. So the way that I build, help clients build strategies is that we'll use that self-directed HSA to get one cash flow asset in there because all the money comes out tax-free for qualified medical expenses. So you get one cash flow asset in there, just as an illustration point, let's say it was a, a rental property. If it spent off a thousand dollars a month, you could use that money to fund your health care the rest of your life. Now that takes the pressure off the retirement accounts. We're just going to use that to create income streams to support your lifestyle, right? Um, and, and so though looking at a, from a comprehensive standpoint um, helps us, you know, uh, I, I think create better results on the back end. So just a uh, small question is like, let's say we are going after one property and like I have four different accounts like HSA, 529, 401 and IRA, right? And each just hypothetically has 200,000 in it. So can we all together go into one property and there is a way to combine it or there they has to be a solo investment into the same property or it's not even possible? Great question. Um, <clears throat> so the answer is yes and no. Um, so, so let me give you the no part first. So one of the accounts you mentioned was a 529. A 529 is a state uh, sponsored plan, right? And they put the st state sponsored plans like 529s, I like it to like company sponsored 401ks. There's a lot of restrictions. There's a lot of uh, additional rules. Well, I should, really it's just restrictions that they put in place on participants, meaning they allow you to buy five to 10 mutual fund, that's it. So the no part is company sponsored plans, um, 529s, anything as sitting at a bank or a brokerage house, the answer is no, you can't do that. Um, generally speaking, right? Uh, however, self-directed accounts, so an IRA can be self-directed, a solo 401k can be self-directed or a Roth 401k, Roth IRAs, health savings accounts, education savings accounts versus the 529. Could you take that those accounts and partner them together into the same investment. Yes, you can. That is possible to do. Um, so uh, that's one of the ways that clients, um, I'll say my high net worth, higher income uh, uh, folks will do it, is that we actually will create custom plan designs and we look at them as an individual. We look at their family situation. We look at their business situation. Then we literally create a map of here's everything you qualify for, here's how you could fund it, here's what the numbers look like. And people, some people will implement that right away. Some people implement it over time. Some people never have the resources to implement it fully, but they can implement what's most important to them and they can go, they can prioritize, right? Sure. But what that enables people to do is get more money into accounts, have more money to work with in a tax sheltered area, and then be able to use all the money, even though it's sitting in different accounts, that's what I tell people, you can look at it as one bucket of money if you want to. So that's a huge advantage uh, when you're able to self-direct your accounts. What about the health saving account? Yeah, you can partner that account too. In okay. fact, one of, the, one of the interesting things about it is, is that that I, I teach, so when, when clients come on board, I, I, I teach what I call a accelerated wealth quick start class. And, and I teach that to lay the foundational elements because self-directing is new to most people, right? Even if they've heard about it and they say, hey, this is something I want to do and they open up an account, they're still not sure how to go through the process. And, and so I work with clients and, and help them understand the process, 
at the beginning, right, right out of the gate, where we go through all, all the, the, the relevant things that you need to know, you know, how to solve these massive financial problems that we have and, and how these accounts and strategies and the rules and all these things kind of work together. And, and so, um, so we go through that all within the first 30 days. Uh, and, and so I teach three investment structures you can employ with self-directed accounts. And so one is an outright purchase, which is kind of where your question was going, right? If you have enough cash in the account and you want to use all your own cash to buy one asset, as an example, you can do that, right? That's an outright purchase. Second way is what we call a joint venture or partnership where you have uh, access to multiple accounts and those accounts can partner together in a sense, right? The third investment structure that I teach, which is a legal backdoor to the contribution limit, is that believe it or not, if you don't have enough cash in your retirement account to make an investment or uh, you just don't want to use your own cash, your account is allowed to borrow it. So that's why I say it's a legal backdoor to the contribution requirement because it allows you to bring in cash. Now there's some different rules around that, of course, but the point is, is that there's a lot of options in terms of how to use a retirement accounts to, to build your wealth. Um, so there's it, a lot of things you can do. Is there any restriction on borrowing? Like just uh, because that is something new to me for sure. So let's talk about that. Uh, like when you talk about like borrowing, how does it work? So when you borrow money, uh, the main thing, the, the number one thing that people need to know is that in the rules and regs when it comes to retirement accounts, right? Uh, the government tells us what we, we cannot do. So let, let me let me say this, and, and I'm not going to get into a big rules discussion here, right? Because I don't want to, I want to go too far into the weeds here, but uh, the government tells us the way the rules are written, the government tells us what we cannot do. Right. They don't tell us what we can do. And, and the 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 uh, the example I always use is like th there's no there's no law. There's no rule that says I have to be nice to people. Right now, it's probably in my best interest to be nice to people. But if I was mean to someone and somebody went to the police and said, hey, he was mean to me, they're going to say, yeah, OK. Like I mean, th th there's nothing to do there because there's no law broken. However, if I went up and physically hit somebody in the face, that's called assault, right? Now you can, that's against the rules. The rules say you're not allowed to invade somebody's physical space. You can't do that. Therefore, there's legal consequences to that. Same thing applies to retirement accounts. So we're already used to this stuff. Everybody thinks self-directing is complicated. It's really not. It's we, We've been trained our whole lives to think this way. We just have to just draw those connections. So the same thing is true with retirement accounts. So the rules say what we cannot do. Those are referred to as prohibited transactions. They don't tell us what we can do. So as an example, when it comes to the lending or the borrowing, it says we're not allowed to personally guarantee credit for our retirement account or extend credit to our retirement account. Um, in other words, it, it doesn't mean that we're not allowed to borrow. It just means we, we're not allowed to personally guarantee it. So the number one thing to know about borrowing inside of a retirement account is it has to be a non-recourse loan, a non-recourse loan, a non -re and I don't like that term. That's the term that's used in the industry. I think it's a lousy term. I think it's inaccurate. A better term, if, if and when I talk to clients about it, and if I were to able, right, able to be able to wave a magic wand and like, you know, change everybody's language, I would call it a limited recourse uh, note or loan, right? Because basically what makes it a non-recourse loan is that it, there's language in the note that says something to the effect of, in the event of default, the lender agrees to take back the asset 
for full satisfaction of the debt. There's no additional recourse to the IRA or the IRA owner. That keeps us compliant with that rule. Okay. So we can borrow. It has to be a non-recourse loan. Um, there's banks that do them. Not a lot, but there are some banks that do non-recourse loans to retirement accounts. There is uh uh, financial uh, type of companies, financial firms that specialize in financing assets that will do non-recourse. And then of course, private investors uh, will will do non-recourse loans. Um, but that's a strategy that we've seen many people implement very, very um, successfully, particularly in re retirement accounts, because going back to what your, you know, one of your core focuses is, how do we build our net worth to create passive income streams so that we have financial freedom. And as we were talking about, that number is different for everybody, right? It's not the same. My number is probably different than your number and our number is different than somebody listening right now. And that's okay. But the key is, is that if you think about it, if, if you have a seven to 10 year time horizon, let's say you're 50 years old and you say, look, I wanna generate $5,000 a month in income and I only have a couple hundred thousand dollars in my retirement account right now. Well, you could buy maybe two rental properties that spin off a thousand dollars a month. That doesn't quite get you there. But you could use that money as down payment money, buy five properties, pay them off in the next seven to 10 years so that when you're 60 and you're ready to start spending that money, now your $5,000 in income is there. So there's a lot of really cool ways that you can use leverage uh, when used correctly inside a retirement account to quickly build your asset base that generates a specific income and will be available for you in the time frame that you want it. Good. So I think let's just talk about the, uh, you know, some interesting thing, like, you know, like everybody knows that, okay, like, you know, self-directed IRA, you can put it to for real estate, right? So what we were discussing is what are some unique investment that you have done or you know, in general, like what are other things that people can do apart from real estate? Because that's a common like notion that oh, self-directed IRA goes to real estate. Yeah. So there, there's a, there was a book written years ago. Um, uh, and um, it's called Secret Pillars of Wealth. And in that book, right, he discussed uh the, the the ways that the top one percent became the top one percent and and 74 percent according to the book 74 percent of the people in the top one percent uh of, of net worth income earners uh made their money one of two ways either owning businesses or investing in real estate right those were the two so i would say that from my personal perspective that's what i focus my time and attention on Having said that, we have clients who invest in all kinds of stuff. One of them are startup businesses, though. So we do see um, uh, people investing in startup companies. We see people invest in existing companies, but they want to expand their operations or do something new, perhaps. So we've seen people provide capital to, to small to small business. Um, real estate, as you mentioned, continues to be number one. Notes probably a close second. A lot of people lending money because it's passive in nature. Again, provides an income stream through monthly payments, whether it's P&I or interest only, those types of things. Um, really cool investment that I'm I'm personally looking at, I'll, I'll tell you uh, some other examples too, is one where 
we're actually buying a credit card portfolio, a servicing portfolio. So like if, you, if, if we as business owners know how credit cards work, right? So you can actually go in and buy these portfolios and it's just, right, you're, you're the one getting all the fees now. And, and so that's an income stream, but uh, that's something recent that uh, I'm, I'm stepping into now as, as an investment opportunity. And the re returns are, are, are pretty, pretty impressive, I'll just say that. Um, when you're buying portfolios like that. So that's an example that's, again, something that not a lot of people think of, but something that you can do. You got to figure out how to put those things together. Some of the more exotic um, uh, investments that I've seen in self-directed retirement accounts over the years, uh, I've seen people invest in cattle and livestock. Uh, I've seen people invest in, in fact, I, I know one person who, who, who uh, was lending money to a farmer who needed some cash to do some stuff uh, to to deal with 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 his business, and he called me and he said, "Hey, he says, uh, you know, this, this farmer wants to borrow some money from me. It's pretty good terms. I like the deal, but I'd really like to secure my money because I want to know right that I can get my money back." And I said, "Well, what kind of farm is it?" And he said, "Well, it's it's a dairy farm." And I said, "Really." He says, yeah, but see, I says, so why don't you secure it again? He says, well, you know how the farmers are, right? Their, their equipment is, is leased. The, the, the land is mortgaged. Like there's like, like the, I don't know that there's any security there. And I said, well, you said it's a dairy farm. I said, what about the cows? I said, do cows have like serial numbers or social security <laughs> numbers or something? He says, well, let me find out. So he comes back and he says, yes, as a matter of fact, they do have numbers, right? They're tagged, they have numbers. And in fact, trading cattle is a big business, it turns out, right? So it's amazing what you learn, right? Going through yes. life. And, and, and so I said, well, I said, <clears throat> pick out the head of cattle you want, get the numbers and secure your money with that. And I said, then you can always trade or sell those cattle if he defaults on the note, right? Yeah. Uh, so he, he, that's like a direction that he actually went. Um, so all kinds of like cool stuff that that you can kind of do. Um, one of the other interesting things is is uh, um, bull semen. I, I've seen that's pretty exotic type of thing, but and, and that's true with with horses too, right? I mean, it, there's, yeah. there's, in that whole world of husbandry, uh, which is what it's referred to, uh, there's there's all kinds of ways that people make all kinds of money. I mean it. The world is such a fascinating place when you get yeah. down to it and see all the creative, cool things that people come up with. Um, so, yeah, the, the, like I've, I've seen all kinds of things. You know, more more commonly recently, I've seen two big interests in physical precious metals. Right? People are worried about inflation, and so people will sometimes hedge inflation by buying gold and silver, and palladium, and those types of assets. Uh, I've seen people like, obviously, as we all know, in the last several years, there's been a huge interest in cryptocurrencies. And so those are things that uh, can be done uh, under certain circumstances. So, yeah, I mean, the, I, I say this is that you, you're, you're generally only limited by your own creativity when it comes to investing, because there are so few things that are, quote, prohibited. Um, and there's really not the things that are prohibited are, are certain types of behaviors or actions that more than, say, a particular asset. Like there's, there's really not assets per se that that are prohibited. So what I tell people is that you're only limited by your own creativity, right? By your own imagination. If, and, and the other thing that I say is, generally speaking, generally speaking, if you can do it outside of your IRA, you can do it inside your IRA as long as we do it according to the rules, yes. right? 
So there's rules in the IRA that we don't have on us outside the IRA. Um, but generally speaking, if you're doing something really cool and creative outside of a retirement account, you can do that inside the retirement account and take advantage of all the benefits that retirement accounts offer. Yep. No, so like, see, uh, I think every uh, six months or a year, I come across somebody unique and that 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 just strikes you in a, in a, in a, in a core, right? So I'm, I'm right now, I'm looking for some land to build a resort in Texas, right? So I'm, I'm going in country, looking up some raw land and things like that. So two months ago, I, I looked up a land close to Austin, like somebody like very, like 84 year old, he had 200 acres land. And like, I was just talking to him. And one thing he says, like he was making close to 200,000 from that 200 acre land just by selling cows. Like he had cows on the property and you know, the babies they born, he will sell it for a thousand or $2,000. And he was making 200,000 a year just by doing that. And the, like, I was like amazed by that because he just, he's not doing anything else. Like we are so like, if in normal life, you have, if you have to make $200,000, it's challenging. You have to trade so much amount of time and effort to make that $200,000. And now here's this guy having 200 acres of land, just a bunch of cows, and he's still making the same money and living his dream. <laughs> so it is like eye-opener and unique for sure, you know, uh, when, when you come across these kind of transactions that, wow, uh, you know, people do these things and this is like, you know, it's legit. It's not like somebody's doing wrong or somebody's doing, trying to scam somebody, right? But we are so much, uh, you know, trained to be into that factory assembly line that we are not even thinking outside the box or we're not, you know, you know the atmosphere or the surrounding is so much claustrophobic that people are not having that aha moment that, oh, like this is also something you can do or this is also a possibility that you can do, right? And the same thing with the self-directed IRAs. It was very, very late that I even come across the word, like I would say like maybe seven, eight years ago that even that was possible. I, I found out before that I was also trading stocks and mutual funds because that's the only thing you can do if you have Fidelity account, right? Yeah. <laughs> so those kind of things. But uh, so moving on to the next question is uh, what we learn is is a mistake that uh, especially like in your segment is what are the no's or mistakes that you, you want to pass on that? Okay, if you are dealing with self-directed IRAs or anything similar to this, don't do this or just be careful of these things. Yeah, so, you know, it's interesting. The The biggest mistakes, and, and I'll say there's there's two, and I put them mainly on the front end. So the, the biggest mistake that I see people make, now this is also kind of a general principle thing, right? So I've talked to people where, you know, they hear about self-directing, they, they've got money in a retirement account, they have enough experience with the cycles of the market, right? Because by the time we're 40s and 50s, right? We've, we've been there, done that. We know how it works. And unless you do something different, you're not gonna get a different result. Yes. And most people who have company sponsored plans and have all their money in those five or 10 mutual fund options are not set up to re retire, right? Which is why people keep working later and later in life. So they already have their own first day and experience that's not gonna get them where they wanna go. So they start looking for alternatives. They find out about self-directing. They say, man, this looks like a solution. 
But the challenge that they have is, and some of the ways that I'll hear this show up, I hear it different ways, but one of the ways that I hear it show up is they'll say, well, you know what? Yeah, I've got a retirement account. I got money in a retirement account, but I don't know what I'm going to do yet. So once I I open, once I find my, my first investment, then I'm going to get everything set up. That's the biggest mistake. And here's why. Life doesn't work that way. If let's say something you want to do, there's five steps involved. What the person is basically saying to me is, well, until I understand all five steps and how they're going to happen, I'm not taking step number one. Well, then guess what? That's why you're stuck in life. Because the truth is, you don't have all the answers to every step and how it's going to play out. You're never going to have it. So if you're waiting for that, you're going to wait till the day you die. And you're still going to be waiting. Because the reality is, is that you can know step number one, you might know step number two, and you might have an idea of step number three. But beyond three, you don't have any clue, honestly. Let's just be honest about that. And so... The only way to come up with the answer to step number four is to get to step number three. And when you get to step number three, step number four appears typically. But if you're not willing to take step number three, you don't get the answer to step number four. That's how life works. So the biggest mistake I see people make when it comes to self-directing is that they don't do it because they feel like they have to have something that they're not familiar with all figured out before they take step number one. They're never going to figure it all out. Right. So that is true in different areas of life. Right. If, if, if somebody is stuck on this idea that they got to figure out everything from beginning to end before they take step number one, you're going to be stuck your whole life, period. Like it just that's the way it is. So that's mistake number one. Mistake number two is that and it's funny, it's easily correctable. But people say, OK, I've got my account set up. I've got money in my account. Now I want to go buy a house or something in my account. And they're like, Okay, how do I do that? And so, right, because there's rules around it and they'll go out and they'll they'll put in place a purchase contract and they'll put their name on the purchase contract and they're like, okay, now how do I use my IRA money? It's like, no, 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 no. That's not the way it works, right? You're not buying the property. Your retirement account is buying the property. The name on the purchase contract is Specialized Trust Company, FBO, for the benefit of, right, VJ's. IRA and the account number. That's the purchaser. That literally is probably the most common mistake we see people make when they're beginning self-directing is that they don't understand how the the actual process basic. works. Which, how do I, yeah, the basic stuff. But that, again, that's why I come back to, that's why I started teaching the class because it's like, okay, 90% of the issues that clients have are the easiest problems to solve, you know? Um, and 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 so so that's kind of why we do those things but yeah uh those i would say are the two biggest mistakes uh that i see people make well yep well thank you so much for the information i think like you know uh there's a lot of information that we shared and like very very important for sure at least i learned something and every time i I try to learn something for sure uh uh, we can talk all day long, but I think we, you know, the time is up. But it was really good talking to you, Edwin. Thank you so much for your time. And uh, let's be in touch and we can definitely talk further and, you know, try, try to go in detail about your products. Okay. All right. Thank you, VJ. Appreciate it. Thank you, Edwin. See ya.